All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are back again with a very special person. He goes by the name of Corey Gill Schuster. Hope I said the last name correctly. Before I used to say it incorrectly. How are you doing, Corey? What's going on? I'm okay. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. We know each yeah. other. Absolutely. Where, where are we finding you? Where, where are you at right now? I'm at home. Home is in? Oh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, I live in Tel Aviv, Israel. Beautiful. Uh, center of Tel Aviv. Wonderful. Let's 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 start off with a little backstory. Uh, I know Corey. I went to Tel Aviv University, and he really facilitated the process, helped everything go smoothly. It was running. He's the director of the Conflict Resolution and Mediation Program. We've been in touch since, for the past two years now, and seems to be a lifelong friendship. And can't wait to see where it goes. But let, let's let's go let's go a little with you. What's uh you, what's you, what's you helped me through the Corona uh, my Corona. Oh man. Oh yeah. I mean. Right, right. No, it was it was uh, what to watch, and we talked about community and we did, and other we did. Videos. And what's funny is I recommended that show to my brother, and he was like, ah, "I don't know about this," but I told him, "No, no, the person who recommended it, he also watches Frasier, so trust me. I mean, he, he has good taste." And they said, "All right." And my brother blew through the series. He just thought incredible, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's go a little more with you. What's Corey's backstory? Uh, what got you to where you are now in Tel Aviv and doing what you're doing? Uh, I'm from uh, Ottawa, Canada. I'm Canadian. <clears throat> I uh, grew up there and in a very boring city. Uh, I came to Israel kind of more on a dare than anything else uh, from a friend <laughs> and uh, went to Tel Aviv University uh, for the first semester of, of university. And I kind of had a love-hate relationship with this place ever since. It's really interesting. It's chaotic. It's uh, nothing. It's very Middle Eastern for, from a Canadian point of view. I have friends who are Lebanese who have been here, and they say it seems a little European to them, but uh, mm. it's somewhere in between. Um, and I decided to figure out how to move here. And then I ended up meeting the guy who became my husband, who's Israeli. And uh, I moved here uh, to Israel. At a certain point, we uh, we left during the second intifada. It got to be really uh, stressful. Uh, there were mm. bombings every day, and it was really really stressful. And living in we weren't living in Tel Aviv. We were living in a suburb, and we had just adopted a child. And I said, "Look, I'm Canadian. This is too much for me." So we left mm. and went to Canada, and that sparked the idea of finding a program in conflict resolution. And I didn't even know the phrase conflict resolution, so I looked for psychology of conflict because I wanted mm. to understand what I experienced, not just about the Intifada, but the Palestinians and, and the relation to Israelis, but even within Israeli society, um, to have an understanding of why do people act the way they act? Why do they think the way they think? Why the things that I heard, not, nothing to do with Palestinians even, even within their own uh, country, how do they frame what's going on? And I wanted something to help explain that. And I found at University of Ottawa a, a program, a master's in conflict studies, and it really helped. Um, and mm. I wrote my thesis on uh, uh, dialogue groups between uh, Arabs and Jews and Israelis and Palestinians, and then ended up moving back. Actually, I finished my thesis while I was here, and I got a job at Tel Aviv University running the conflict resolution program. So mm. um, also the other reason I'm here, it's not just because that, uh, uh, I, I started, I looked for something to do where my contribution to, conf to understanding conflict uh, and I started a YouTube project called Ask an Israeli, Ask a Palestinian, where 
people send in questions where they want to know what Israelis think. What does the average Israeli or the average Palestinian think about a particular topic? And I go out to the streets uh, and ask people, random people. And Bruce was with me when we did that. <laughs> We had a, a, a interesting encounters, yes. Yeah, right. interesting encounters. I got uh, spat on by some 15-year-old. Um, yeah, that was lovely. Um, and, and the one who also the, the one who also coughed, I think, in your direction. Yeah, yeah. He's like, over. yeah, he yeah. coughed yeah. on purpose because he yeah, was a 15-year-old who was being a dick. And uh, <laughs> it was the beginning of, of COVID. And yeah. he thought that's really funny. And yeah, mm. Middle East. Yeah. Um, so that's it. And the, the purpose of the, the project is really to help people outside and, and even Israelis and Palestinians have an understanding of what people here think about a particular topic. It's not from what the leaders say. It's not what the religion says. It's not what some book says. It's based on what do people here think mm. about what is going on. And it's um, through asking a question, you limit what we can talk about in like two to three mm -hmm. minutes because that's you know i can only ask you know eight to ten people for two to three minutes so mm -hmm. you don't get by watching one video you're not going to understand the israeli-palestinian conflict but you get a sense of what um each side thinks about their reality and that's the mm -hmm. purpose mm -hmm. powerful and this this idea I, I wonder how it would even resonate in just other countries with other conflicts and stuff like that uh, maybe if even in the us we had one where the ask project in america Right, yep. asking, let's say, people on maybe different sides of the aisle or different uh, groups in conflict, and seeing how they could resonate. Yep. What are what are a couple experiences that you've had with this, where one was just absolutely rewarding, and the other one was absolutely demoralizing, if if we can think of think of two, or maybe one of the worst. Yeah. I might I might define rewarding differently because I'm thinking, yeah. what would capture what I experience here after twenty something years? Hmm. So. The one that's coming to mind is speaking to some random woman on a on the light rail about asking her about i don't even remember what the question was um oh why why are um the arabs uh, more polite than the jews of mm. this region right i don't mean all jews all arabs i mean people here yeah and it was so interesting because i actually think that's kind of true but mm. uh, and for reasons that nobody gave but those that's my own opinion um everyone got very offended by the question and she not only got offended, but then said something about how her child was killed in a terror attack. And mm -hmm. I went, whoa, like, I did not expect that. It was not a setup. It was not. And I, I don't know if it's rewarding. Rewarding is not the right word, but it was it was emotional and mm -hmm. impactful because I'm dealing with it like in this like, but hey, come on, you know, and then mm -hmm. somebody says something, mm -hmm. drop a little bomb on you that you're like, wow, okay, that drives home why people are really angry. So mm -hmm. I'd say it's more impactful. And what was the other category? Uh, just, uh, so one that didn't go so well, right? Because you're also interacting yeah. with people who could be hostile to any communication. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times people will just mid-sentence walk away because they think they're being set up. Because there is that, that aspect here, both on the Israeli and Palestinian side of people who come in with a political agenda and they want to embarrass both sides or eat that one side, sorry. Um, I want to dig so people, but so people interpret that and ask tough questions. So people interpret that as me uh, trying to embarrass them. So I've had a lot of experience with where like mid-sentence, they would say, I don't want to do this anymore. And they just walk away. It doesn't bother me. I, I've been with people who got very like, whoa, whoa, what, are you okay with that? Like, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I'm used to it. Um, first of all, it happens in private life 
times. Oh. <laughs> so it's not like it's it's not just because they're on camera, um, mm. but that is an added uh, um, reason for them to feel a bit threatened. Um, mm. So that, but that's the more typical. I, that I, it doesn't happen that often, by the way. That that sort of reaction. Mm, and I you... think in their minds it does. I mean, they feel they feel defensive, but mm. they just carry on. So they'll feel defensive, but they'll sort of just continue because people also do want to share their opinions. And mm-hmm. when you have a camera and someone asking you, and it sort of breaks the norm, right? Like you were saying, instead of just listening to what the media is telling you, where what's according to a religion or a book, you speak to the actual person and see where they're coming from. That's right. Have an idea. Yeah, I, definitely. We could use that a lot in the States. Maybe we'll I, have I, I, I don't own the idea of going out with a camera and asking people questions. So no, for sure. Well, <laughs> right. I would love people to give some credit to the channel, but that's about it. That's okay. Right. Well, what's what's incredible is before I even went to Tel Aviv University or even found out about the conflict program, I would was learning more about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and just to learn. And I saw your videos, The Ask Project, and I, I'd watched a bunch of them. So then after, later on, I think maybe somewhere in the conversation – uh, after a few of our conversations, I saw Corey Gil Schuster and thought, wait, what? This is the same guy? No way. And yeah, it, it, really, it really bridged a gap because I, I said, wait, this isn't what I'm normally hearing. And to get a perspective from people on the ground and people who had to actually deal with it instead of someone saying, oh, that's so sad. We should do this. They should do that. Okay, see ya. But what about the people who are living there and each day experiencing it? It's, uh-huh. it's a whole different game. Yeah, and I started it also because people have these conversations outside. I mean, not not everyone really cares about this conflict, but there's there's a good amount of people around the world who seem to focus on this conflict, and they all have their ideas about what either should happen or what people think. And I think mm-hmm. most of them are, it's not that they're entirely wrong. It's just they they only have a little sliver of what mm-hmm. they think is happening, and that part is probably true, but it's only part of it. So, mm-hmm. and if you mm-hmm. want to solve a conflict. You need to understand what it, the conflict is about because how can you possibly solve anything if you don't understand what it's about so not that i think this is solvable at the moment but hmm. I mean, potentially it is it's just uh it's complicated all right there's there's definitely a lot going on and i yeah if, if you don't know where the conflict is or what the problem is you can't really begin and that's with ourselves and with other people in general yeah as well. yeah, yeah. i'd say that's true everywhere good. i don't know what's going on in cyprus exactly i know the right. basics I couldn't, you know, I can have an opinion that Turkey's wrong and the Greeks are right. It just, you know, mm. based on the side that I'm on here. But I, I don't know if that's true. I have no clue. Don't know. Mm. Well, this is a this is a nice segue then for your experience. You've lived in a handful of different places and you're teaching conflict resolution or you've learned it and you're running this program. So with a lot of the upsides you've had, I'm assuming that there's some failures that probably came along with it, even just in life as, in general. So as the question sort of states, what's one of the larger failures that you've experienced and what were you able to learn from it, uh, whether it be personal, professional, or just on a social social level? I don't know. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind with failure is I'm struggling with, I think I told you this in the past, mm. um, I, I live in a country where uh, the cost of living is really high and the salaries are really low. And mm. what bothers me at this age, I'm 51, is how am I going to survive uh, on, you know, on what I'm making? There's no way I can, I can live on. I don't own a house. I don't have mm. a car. I, there's no way I can do that. So what bothers me is I, or maybe, I don't know if it's a failure. So, um, but I went into this world thinking I'm going to do my passion. I'm going to do something creative and interesting in my life. And 
maybe the rest of my family who kept saying, no, 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 you need to be in business. You need to be doing something really stable. You need to be making money. Part of me thinks maybe they were right, because if I lived in Canada and still worked for the Canadian government, which is what I used to do, um, I would have uh, more money, more money in the bank and more stability when it comes to thinking about my old age. Right now, I feel like I'm kind of screwed, not to basically. So I don't know if that's a failure. On the other hand, I could always move back to Canada. I mean, my sister constantly says, why aren't you moving back? You're an mm. idiot. Why are you living there? Um, but I know I would be really bored. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm weighing uh, having an interesting life and um, an, an exciting life or a more exciting life. I mean, it's I just today went to high five that film and do some work. Um, I'm going to the West Bank next week. Um, what am I, you know, in Canada, what am I going to do? Um, you know, I get great takeout food and, and, <laughs> oh, and shopping at Best Buy and Costco would be terrific because I love, you know, stuff, right. but I would be bored. A lot of, I'm uh, very, a lot of, very bored. yeah, a lot of Canadians right now are saying, what are you doing? But yeah. no, it's, it's you, I'm crazy. Yeah, and it's why, I mean, really with, with Tel Aviv and just Israel in general, there's so much proximity, right? Proximity is power. And you, you have more of an interesting life to what you, what you define that as. And yeah. it's, it's coming down to, yeah, like, what are you valuing? What does success look like to you? Yeah. Things like that. So what I learned is, and yes. I, I, hard to apply to myself, okay. but I would say if you're going to follow a passion, have a backup where you have enough money to live a comfortable life. So mm -hmm. I wish I had, uh, when I was younger, had or been better at something like the stock market doing something in my spare time that could make me some you know some extra money that would make me feel more secure and then follow my passion of let's say you know filming asking really horrible questions to Israelis and Palestinians or <laughs> or uh, um you know working in something to do with conflict which doesn't really pay very well um that's for me you know some people I know people who uh, don't, you know, they don't mind their whole lives living in a one room apartment where I live. Um, to me, it bothers me. So I wish it, my, uh, what I learned is I wish I had developed a skill that kept a foot in the other place in a place where I could make a little bit of money as well. Mm. I'm not very good at that. Well, it's a really powerful lesson if you really think about it. Cause sometimes the notion is just go all in and every, um, what you believe in, uh, that's awesome. You, you do still need a way to support yourself and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that's the systems we live in. I mean, we that's, still have to make yeah. a living and we have to have, you know, money from when we're older and yeah. Hmm. Powerful. Oh, powerful lesson. I, I hope the listeners take this away because that's, that's a very powerful, powerful point. Sure. We'll move on to, you know, someone who knows history like yourself and all this. Next sure. one, a little curveball. Uh, we like to talk about uh, coffee or tea was one of the other ones I did. Or, I mean, I'm going to stereotype here, but maybe a falafel or some hummus with pita. No, coffee. Coffee is supreme. Okay. Yeah. No, that's oh, actually true. Coffee. Right. With a, with a historical figure, someone who, let's say, is no longer alive and that's had some kind of influence or that's just really resonated with you. Who would that person be and what would you want to talk about? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I, part of me would want to um know if biblical figures existed because i don't mm. really believe in god or you know mm. that what happened in the bible was real 
-hmm. but I would, I, I like to know, I like knowledge. So I would love to know, cause I'm connected to the story of this place. And part of the story of this place is the Bible. That's the, sorry, the Hebrew Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to know if those things actually happened. So I don't think it's having coffee, but I would like to have my cup of, of, uh, of latte, my strong latte, and just go back in time to see Abraham, Isaac, uh, Moses, Joshua, just to like observe what's going on. I'd like to just be, uh, you know, standing there with my coffee, having a drink, seeing what's going on. What do they look like? Um, what did their language sound like? Did they exist? That sort of mm. thing. Mm, now, to, have, yeah. to have actual coffee with a historical figure. <clears throat> Could be more than one. Uh, which one resonates with you? Well? Um, the only one I'm, I'm not one with like historical figures or, or, um, or having heroes. I never was. But I saw this movie in the 90s called Mountains of the Moon, which was about Burton. What was his first name? He Tim. was an explorer. Oh, no, I'm totally wrong. No, that's Tim Burton's a director. He has the same name as a famous actor as well, but he's not. Mm. Burton. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Mountains of the Moon. He was a, an English explorer in the late 1700s, early 1800s, who discovered, I, I put it in quotes, um, mm. the source of the Nile. And what I loved about him is that he was fearless. Um, he he pretended to be a Muslim, or maybe he was a Muslim, in the sense that he he would pray with Muslims, and he <clears throat> was um, uh, uh, part of their community as an anthropologist. Though um, he was bisexual, I thought that was so cool that somebody was like out bisexual in seventeen whatever. Oh, I mean, that's so um, yeah. I mean, that's it. Just I I loved his, uh, I like people who have um, courage. Um, to do to be different in a way that they where they don't really care. That's my sister. Where they don't really care what other people think. I, I like that. Mm. I, I'm part of me is a little bit like that. Mm. Part of me is a little bit like that, but I, I wish I had been more as when I was younger. Um, mm. Because really, as you get older, you realize that all these fears you have of people judging you and none of it matters. I mean, that's mm. that's a good thing about getting older. That. That, that could be one of my lessons learned. You could That's one of the lessons. Okay, so not, 40, yeah. Stop caring. You just don't care. And I wish I had um, known that earlier. So he would be an interesting person to know if that was true. Is that just because of the movie I saw? I, I don't know. Um, he would mm. be an interesting person. To... Yeah, yeah, like you're saying, someone in the, you said 17th century or 1700s? Let me, uh, 1700s. Okay, so 1700s. Yeah. Mountains. Of, I'm bad. I have a terrible. No, no um, worries. It's Richard good you're doing Burton? that. And yeah. let's see, did he, did he, he lived, no, Richard Burton. Hmm. And by the way, there was a famous actor, Richard Burton, who was, who was, uh, who was uh, married to Elizabeth Taylor. So that's not the same one. Richard okay. Burton, explorer. Anyways, you can go on. I'll look. I'll look yeah, no, I, I want to add it this on the why bottom. I love Google. Yeah. Google is no, it's, it's just the best. It's just the best. Uh, 1800s, 1840s, 1860s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. British explorer. Okay. That's it. No, incredible. And that advice, again, definitely duly noted. And it's 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 crazy how much we do care about what other people think. And in, in some sense, it is crucial for society to kind of function. We need to have good relationships and our reputation. Yep. But when it limits us and right and prevents us from taking action and just doing what we really want, it's yeah. it can be problematic. Yeah, you can't be a total sociopath. Mostly with the people you care about and the yeah. people you depend on, but but um, not caring what people you barely know think um, uh -huh. is, I think, is a is a is a wise 
path as long as within obviously within limits but yeah we well, i think in general mostly western i think people no actually i can't even say that i think people everywhere i mean each culture picks and chooses what they care about but they care much too much about what other people think mm. Corey, you're preaching i like it i i like it it's 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 a good it's a great point and we definitely need more of that uh so you sort of already answered this one then uh the next one we try to talk about is a book or movie or podcast three of one each or multiple however you like to go uh in in your 51 young years of life what are some that you've resonated with that have really connected uh the one you had just mentioned i'm gonna have to put below in the description but a book, movie, or podcast, something along these lines that helped shape or inspire or influence Sir Corey in his life. Um, oh, that the influence. That's that's a that's a different question. I was I was looking up the name of oh here it is side by side by side. Uh, so uh, I don't know if this influenced me, but it was helpful. So because I what I do is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I would say the book I most recommend about that is called Side by Side, Parallel Histories of, of Israel-Palestine. And it's super interesting in that it was a, an attempt by the ministries of education, Palestinian and Israeli, to create a joint narrative history. And they would meet, this is during the Oslo years in the 90s, and they would meet and discuss what would be in this book. And they couldn't agree on anything, nothing. So they decided it's called side by side because they decided they're going to write an Israeli history and a Palestinian history on each side of the, one side of the page and the other side of the page. So when you read it, um, you some of the, let's say, 1948, of course, there's pages and pages about it. There's some overlap in what's important to each side. And then suddenly the Palestinian side focuses on something that the Israeli side does not focus on and the opposite. And you read you see how disconnected the two sides are from each other, even in how they interpret what happened, what is the history, not even um, what happened in this in this date, we are the freedom fighters, and you are the whatever. I I'm talking about they don't even use the same, they don't even go by the same occurrences, because the other whatever happened is whatever happened, the other side is important, is not important to me, whatever is important to me is not important to the other side. Sometimes it was, but most of the time it wasn't. Um, that is interesting. And I think that's true of conflict in general. If you even take married couples, often it's similar. Each side, he said, she said, uh, situation, they have very different stories. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is just much more complicated and a little longer. Um, so you get lots and lots of nuances and uh, differences. So that would be my side-by-side uh, -side side history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Powerful. And that's one that is crucial i i'm surprised I, I didn't i don't know about this book but i'm, I'm definitely going to pick it up yeah and, none of our lecturers actually teach from it or mention it but i think it's brilliant no so. incredible and super important anyone who wants to get a base understanding of the conflict or just the history yeah. it's a good it's a exactly. really good starting point okay cool exactly. uh movie i don't know my favorite movie of all time is the color purple i love that movie oh cool yeah cool. loved it um <laughs> I like movies about redemption and, you know, and, you know, adversity and then things come together and it was just beautiful. Uh, and a podcast, but none of this formed me. So I don't know. Well, the color or, purple. Maybe before podcast, we, we can also do maybe an interview or an interview series or something, yeah. any medium where there's 
a conversation and dialogue or one person speaking? No, nothing comes to mind. The podcast that I most enjoy is uh, from, uh, I keep getting. He's a high in demand individual. So. Not at all. Family. Um, <laughs> is, oh, that counts. Uh, what, is his, what is his name? <laughs> John McWhorter. Okay. Uh, John, his podcast is called, I always forget, is called um, Lexicon Valley. I like linguistics. I'm a bit of a geek. Mm. So I, and I like the way he speaks. I like really well-spoken people. I love listening to people. I used to listen to a radio show in Ottawa, which was by like a right-wing conservative guy, but just the way he spoke was just so eloquent and beautiful. And I was always so jealous. Um, and I didn't agree with anything he said. I mean, I, I, I don't agree with his arguments in any way, but who cares? I just like the way he spoke. So I, um, and this John McWhorter is super, intelligent and he's a geek like me that focuses on like the little nuanced things in linguistics that I love. So mm. yeah, that I would okay. say that. I, I'm not really, um, I can't really pinpoint things that impacted me so much. Occur mm. Things in life impacted me, not so much, uh, you know, books, movies, things like mm. that. Mm. Yeah. And, and I like to leave off with, uh, well, to end this set of questions with uh, the podcast. Because a lot of times it's not just the, the book or the movie, but the conversations we have mm -hmm. or um, a, a or something like that. Because really, yep. they're just different, they're different mediums of uh, exchanging information and ideas. And I think that's, that's really the beauty of even conversations like this, even though it's more interview based, it's still we're exchanging, we're kind of going back and forth and just seeing different perspectives. From yep. That. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, the power, the color purple, that's uh, that's a funny Funny recommendation. I like that. That's good. For uh, for Corey, what's uh, what's next in his life? Right. We got we have the the Ask project that's going on. We have maybe a post COVID world going on, and with Tel Aviv University, where you're you're still really just making a lot of impact. What what's going on? What's what's happening next? Uh, no definite plans. I'm always looking for other jobs um, to do to challenge myself. Uh, I was looking at a job I should I should go to in, in Abu Dhabi, uh, which is very similar to what I do. Um, uh, so maybe something like that. I'm my son is 22 and he lives in Berlin, so I'm pretty much free. Um, and <laughs> that's funny. So I can go anywhere. I like that. That's good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really have a specific plan. I am looking at all sorts of options I could. I want to live somewhere which is interesting and uh, challenging um, and to do something that I love doing. I know that's, that's by the way, just, what I just did now is being really generalizing, like uh, mm. ge being general and not specific about what I want is actually a terrible thing. This is, here's a good life lesson. When, uh, when in, ge in general, if you're looking for something, you got to be very specific. Mm. Um, my problem is I'm not being specific. So I'm staying in what I'm in because I enjoy it a lot. Um, but what I'm always looking for something more challenging to come. And when I see it, I'll say, yes, that's it. And that's what happened with this job. Actually, that's, I, I saw the ad and I went, oh, I'll do, I'd do that. I I'd love to do that. Mm, so this, this reminds me of a very, uh, powerful, uh, quote that I want to pull up and share. Uh, but I'm probably going to miss it. Uh, it's essentially the, to the sailor who knows not which direction he's going, no mm -hmm. port is favorable or no wind is favorable. 
one of those. But yeah, it's sort of having that idea and being a little specific and figuring out where you want to go. Because then, in essence, you kind of are shooting blind. And it's not that you're in the comfort zone and you just want to stay there. You're just not really sure because there are opportunities. There's different places to go. And there's a handful of interesting spots as well, like you like you had just mentioned, mm-hmm. to check out. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah. no, no Canada. No Canada? Well, so I'm, I'm not saying no to Canada. I just It's got to be super interesting, right. whatever I'm doing. Well, it'll be tough because, yeah, well, you've been in Israel for 25 years now? Like 22, 23. 22, 23. And to go back to Canada, I mean, first, I'm very biased, but the weather. Yeah, it's awful. I don't know. I mean, it's winter here and it was 20 (laughs) degrees um, Celsius. So that's fine. That's great. No, Tel Aviv's, the weather there is, it's incredible. Yeah. Cool. Where do I, we, we got a few more here. Uh, where can people find you? And with the Ask Project, what's a uh, good medium? So where YouTube, can they find you? Just YouTube is the best. Uh, okay. uh, YouTube, uh, type in Ask an Israeli or Ask a Palestinian. And it's easy, it's easy to find. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I don't interact a lot on Facebook. Um, that's about it. I'm not on Twitter. Mm. I hate arguing with people. Uh, I'm a little bit on Instagram. Some of the students this year are trying to get me to be more, uh, more on Instagram, like to create a template. And I, so I started doing that, but I'm, it's a lot of work, right? I mean, I work full time and I do the project in my spare time. So, and I'm not quick on the phone. You know, some people are really good with making TikToks and they're really quick. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not me. I'm too old for that. So no Um, no TikTok in your future? It's, I have an account, but I don't. Oh, there we go. (laughs) This is one thing. I just, it's just not, these are not the medium. Like I, I do long form. Exactly. It's little asking questions, trying to give a little slice of what people think. It doesn't really work in Instagram so well or in TikTok or even in Facebook because people don't have the patience. So. Hmm. No, that's so right. And even like you were saying with, with Twitter and just the arguments is that you had to condense uh, I mean, sometimes they use threads, but condensing a history or a long length argument in about 140 characters or 280. Yeah, something like that. I haven't had Twitter in five years, so I have no idea yeah. how it's running anymore. I, I heard they extend it, but but even then, I mean, it get into I've I've gotten into Facebook arguments. That's actually how this project started because people were oh. arguing what Israelis think, and I was like, no, you don't understand what Israelis think, and so I said, I'm going to show you. Um, that's the problem with any forum, any of these like sort of internet forum. Um, Facebook, Twitter, is you're limited in what you can write, how you write it, how effective you are when you write it, how they interpret what you wrote. And it just gets to be exhausting. And it just goes back and forth. And of course, each side, the more I write my point, the more I reinforce it, because I think I'm right. And I don't see your point. And it becomes, um, it's useless. What's the point? Of course, I want to be right about everything. So what? So, you know, every, you want to be right. It doesn't it doesn't help move us anywhere. And mm. so, yes, I'll feel better if I, you know, like that Kermit the Frog thing with the jack on the, you know, frantically, I'm going to tell you what is what is truth. Um, sure. Of course, I want to do that. But um, it's not helpful. It's annoying to everyone else but the person. And uh, I it just, you know, what's the point? So Mm-hmm. Uh, this I found is my way. People will watch the videos and think either, oh, I can't believe they said that or how manipulative or how awful they are. Okay. Interpret it any way you want. It's fine. It's people's opinions. They're allowed to say what they want. It is what it is. 
At least mm. you understand, you get a, se a sense of what people tend to think here. That's the idea. Mm. No, you're talking, you're hitting on so many good points. And really with the confirmation biases we have and the, the in-group, like we learned during the conflict, yeah. and it's what contact are you having with other people and other ideas? Yeah. It's, it's once you have an idea, I talk about this in one of the earlier episodes where the one of the strongest or maybe the strongest uh, desire for human beings is to remain consistent with the identities that they have with themselves or what they yeah. believe. Yeah, yeah. And deviation from that, like when someone is challenging you or you're challenging yourself, the amygdala in your brain, which is responsible for fight or flight mainly, it actually lights up. It's the same sort of area. And it's so troubling. And what you're doing with that, it's it's needed, really. Yeah, and one of the great things about, uh, uh, this is a little thing I didn't realize, but I, what I learned is yeah. when I have the camera, I don't have a camera here, but if I have the camera like this and I'm behind it, I don't get as emotional as I would if the camera wasn't there because I'm focusing on to make sure the person's in the center and I'm thinking about that. I'm still listening, but it's from behind the camera. So I'm removed. I've taken a step back and that's helpful. So I hear Palestinians say awful things about Jews and Israelis and it hurts me. And I hear Israelis say awful things about Palestinians. It hurts me. But because I'm behind the camera, somehow it doesn't affect me in the same way. Hmm. So if I was having the actual conversation without the camera, I would get much more defensive, hmm. much more fight, fight or flight of wanting hmm. to like defend. How dare you? You know, that sort of thing. But something about I'm thinking, no, I'm presenting this to people in the world. What would somebody watching want to know? It just puts me just like I'm a little uh, further removed. I don't get as emotional. And that's really helpful. That's helpful, I think, in conflict in general. If you can treat okay. conflicts in a way that you're just a little bit removed, mm. yeah, I, it's, I find it helpful. No, it's incredible, and it's you know, for myself, I was able to do the mediation and the training within the program that you you run and organize, mm -hmm. and it's incredible to think that with others, it seems that with myself, I'm able to mitigate and mediate and really just do so incredibly well. However, that's usually because I'm not in the main focus. And yes. with family, who they're probably going to listen to this, and it's fine. I love them very much. Yes. And sometimes they'll say, don't you have a degree in mediation? Don't you have a conflict? What are you doing? I said, yes. When you're in it, it's hard. It's hard yes, to get right. yourself yeah. out of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's not uh, a science. It's an art. Or it's yes. a little bit of both, but it, there's there's an art form to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this happens to you, but there are many times, like, because I get into arguments all the time. Isra Israelis and Palestinians love to argue about everything, right? And I get into arguments with people all the like daily. Like, it can happen five times a day, ten times a day, right? I'm arguing with people on the bus, you know, yelling, screaming, whatever. And as I'm saying things, a voice in my head is saying, Corey, no, 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 no. That's the wrong <laughs> thing to do. What you should be doing is, you know, being more charming or understanding. They're coming from a place of anger. Is all these things we tell, I would give advice to someone else. You think I do them? Of course yeah. not. Of course not. <laughs> because course we're not. in that moment of anger yes, and passion yes. and, and yes. how dare they. And, you know, and um, it's, it's a very strong person who can actually um, take themselves out of it and see it has really no. Because really, in the end, it really has nothing to do with you. The person on the street, yeah. some guy just like not tried to almost knock me over today on when I was like hours ago. And I got mad. And really, the guy's a little bit, there's something wrong with him. Like, there's, <laughs> it's him. It's not me. Why mm. would even get angry? Why would I get mm. angry because he's had a bad day? Mm. Mm. What's the point? Incredible. Of course it made me angry. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and that's really, it's 
we don't know what happened to that person five minutes before that, an hour before that, three hours before that, what their perception is. And again, it comes down to what can we control? What can we do? And seeing it from a place where in their mind, there's probably a need that they're trying to meet, right? Maybe, I don't know why he pushed you out of the way or uh, just even something that happens to any of us. Maybe that person felt unsafe in their mind, but your mind, wait, this is so different. And it's just finding that that middle ground. Uh, And there's an incredible concept. uh, I just want to recommend it here for listeners as well as you. Um, like you're saying, the person's in an emotional state. What I've learned as well is whenever you're trying to share an idea or connect with someone or speak with them, you really have to have some kind of connection and check their emotional state. So there's there's an incredible incredible psychologist, psychologist I can't talk right now, Jonathan Haidt from NYU. And he writes this in one of his books called um, um, How Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. Incredible book. And one of the three ideas he has is that uh, intuitions come first and strategic reasoning second. So just like you're saying, it's purely really how you intuitively feel. Because you can, if I'm trying to tell you that three plus three equals six, and if you're in such an intense state that you're against or you're just hostile towards me, you may know that's a fact, but you're going to entrench yourself and get deeper in it. And I'm sure you've seen it. You do these questions and you're speaking with different people. It's a tough, tough cookie. Really yeah. tough. Good. No, absolutely. So and we all do it. We all do None it. Of us are immune. Even the guy, Jonathan Haidt, what was his name? Oh, I'm Jonathan sure Haidt. Yeah. I'm sure oh. he does it too. Yeah. All the- <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. It, it's, we, yeah. we, we fall into our own traps. Even though it's we incredible. Know. All the time. It's, we're humans. That's, that's no, our, we're humans. We're flawed. And uh, the first step is realizing it and then doing what right. we can to. Yeah. That's all. That's all I can really ask from people is to sort of have some awareness of what's going on. That's, that's powerful. Like. Yeah. Awareness. And hopefully we move on and get better. I, I you know, that's all. Right. And like before, like even with the failure thing, just going back to that real quick, it's you really only fail if you don't learn something from it or if you repeat it, that, that thing you've true. done. That's true. I mean, Cause I, I don't think I repeat failures. Then that's yeah. either. That's, so. that's big time. That's big time. Well, we're, we're getting a little closer to the hour or 30, 40 minutes, however long we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this Two last bits. Uh, this part, just a little gratitude. I want to give to Mr. Corey. You know, thank you for your mission to learn about uh, people and their conflicts and different ways to just improve your knowledge, as you said, hungry for knowledge and just wanting to know more and how to be effective. Uh, as well, thank you for organizing and running the program so well when I was there. I know there are other students in the decade that you've been there who have come out of it incredible and I'm sure I speak on their behalf, just saying thank you and just the work you do, the commitment and the desire to bridge unbridgeable gaps. I think thank it's, thank it's you. incredibly thank you for having me on this, on this podcast. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy you're on here. And just and I'm glad you are a student. I remember interviewing. There we go. Hey, um, I'm always learning, always ready to, to take it in. And with the last bit, uh, we call this the nugget of wisdom, right? Yeah. To elevate like Zeus. So like we talked about before we made the, the episode, uh, the idea of Zeus is really just going from a place of ignorance and uh, weakness maybe, or your challenge and finding a way to become the best version of yourself or an individual that is more uh, adept and aware of what's going on within life with themselves and with others. So just to conclude it is, what is a nugget of wisdom that you can give or you'd like to conclude on that would help others or has even helped yourself really get to that spot or at least begin the journey to get to that spot. What would you say? And it's a deeper one. So no rush. 
Okay. So uh, by, by the way, just for the viewer or the listener, um, uh, uh, Bruce sent me all the things he was going to talk about. And I said, nope, I want to be surprised. And now I feel like, well, that was a dumb idea because I got to find well, a nut. We'll have you, we'll have you on again, uh, later. And it's, it's good. So it's, it's good getting a, a response intuitively. It's sometimes it's a little more natural, but the nugget next one. Wisdom. Okay. Focus me on what? Like nugget of uh, nugget of wisdom. So some of the other questions I had in the template I had sent, uh, which is fine. It doesn't really matter, but it's something that, like you said, realizing when you were younger with maybe having a side, uh, a side endeavor to make money or to have yourself stable or just something that you've realized that has been consistent in your life that either by doing it frequently, you've improved the quality of your life or by not doing it, you've realized that it's led you to suffer unnecessarily. Something like that. I don't know. I'm not, mm. nothing is coming to mind. Um, cause mm. I've, I've lots of little nuggets of wisdom here and there, but I can't nothing. You gave a handful or yeah, you gave I a handful earlier. So it's sort of, it's yeah, yeah, it's true. Though. So yeah, mm. I gave you everything. No, no, no. I have others obviously, but, uh, uh, what have I learned that would help elevate? Um, one, it could be one or, uh, one or two. Well, if there's well the one I said, I, I definitely keep going back to one of the things I think is as you get older, not caring what people think. Like there's a reason mm. old people say inappropriate things and <laughs> it, it's brilliant. Young people don't care about what you look like or what you what you um, um, what you seem like as much. I mean, it obviously mm. doesn't mean don't shower and you know you have to care a little sometimes, bit. Sometimes, but, <laughs> sometimes you have to care a little bit, but uh, um, don't care as much. Don't care in the way that it holds you back, mm. um, or the, yeah, that holds you back in any way. Um, mm. No, yeah, it's it's a powerful class and. And say what you want, and you know, okay. So if you sound dumb, it's okay. It's not a right, it's, yeah, it's it sounds. Yeah, it's it's dumb a lot, so don't worry. Oh, for sure, and it's it sounds uh, just maybe solidify that is uh, maybe like the fear of failure or just the fear yeah. of judgment of others, or that you're not enough, you're not loved, or one of those. Yeah, there's a, there's a yeah, that's something that we in North America have a lot of this. Yes, this fear of what if you know if I fail, what just try, always try, always. Mm. Uh, that's what I told me. Actually, that okay. Here's another nugget. So. Hey. Just you like let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. So, so one of the things about my project that uh, film people hate is that I have a, uh, well, I started off with a $180 camera. It's now a $300 camera, meaning it's a simple, simple camera. I could use my phone really. Um, you could, um, I just like the camera. It's a little bit better sound. Um, film people, hate that I'm not using a professional camera and that I don't have, I'm not mic'd, that people aren't mic'd in this. It's not great sound. But my whole thing is you're stopping people on the street. They have, in the Middle East, they have no patience. I have a minute to convince them. If I started setting things up, there's no way they would ever agree. It just wouldn't happen. Um, and, and I, and I, but just as another example, when I used to bike, when I lived in Canada, I would bike to work every day, which was like uh, 14 kilometers each way. It was far. Um, I never bought bike equipment. I had, a, my bike was a cheap bike. Um, it would break down all the time. I never, uh, had like, I, I didn't even have a helmet. Okay. So Stuart was really mad at me, for no. that. but I never bought the biking outfit. I never, I'm like, because I care about the actual pedaling. I don't care about what I look like. And I would say in general, just as a lesson, and I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't like any, it wasn't, I didn't go into this thinking I'm going to show them. I was just la lazy and cheap. Um, so, but that's true of the filming too, in a sense. 
Um, I think if you're following a dream, do it in a way that works for you and don't care about all the frills that come with it. So if you want to go out and do an ask project in the US, just do it on your phone. Just try it. You don't need to invest in lots of equipment. If you find you, you want the equipment after, great, terrific. But I find people will focus on the wrong thing. They'll go out, they'll buy a thousand dollar camera. They'll go buy a boom mic. They'll go buy all this stuff to start it. And I, and I have a friend who actually wants to do something, not exactly what I do, but something similar about religion. And I said, just use what you have, use your phone. Who cares? It doesn't matter. No one is thinking other than the film people, because film people still write me and say, your lighting is terrible. Your sound is awful. I know. But regular people don't pick up on it. And it really doesn't matter. What matters is the content and what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I think apply that to anything else you want to do. It, 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 try to try to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You don't have to worry about all the other frills. Mm, powerful. So then follow the dream and don't necessarily focus so much on the... All the things you think have to go with it. Try mm. it out first. If you find you really do need that great camera because it gives you some added bonus, terrific, great, go out and buy it. But mm. just first start. Start with mm. something. Yeah, the journey of a... Uh, a million miles begins with a single step, I think. Yeah. <laughs> One of those quotes. Or try yeah. if you like it, because mm -hmm. you might find out that you started something and you, uh, this is exactly. So yeah. you just got to try and not care mm -hmm. about all the, you know, you don't, if you want to go, if you decide you're going to bike, you don't have to go out and buy all the, you know, the tight, whatever that material is. The stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, that you don't mm -hmm. have to do that. Just try biking. If you find what you're wearing isn't, you know, it's not good for it, terrific. Go out and buy something. More. Well said. Well said. Okay, spot on. Yeah, I think that's a perfect spot to sort of wrap us up on. Guys, we had Corey Gil Schuster. Thank you for coming on again. Absolute pleasure. And I look forward to hopefully when I'm back in Israel to do that's another cool. Ask Project with you. Absolutely. And and just get really get the ball rolling. And just thank you again for taking the time. And as, as always, a pleasure to speak with you. Happy to be here. Thanks, everybody. Okay, I'm going to conclude this one here and we'll, we'll chat after. Let me just save this one. All right.